y'all. Welcome to the Preach Into the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. All right. Very interesting special treat for you today. I did my interview with Alex Hall, and it went so long, we have to make two episodes out of it for you, which, you know, is totally fine, and you are going to enjoy every bit of it, I promise you. Uh, Alex Hall is um, a choreographer. He's choreographed for different groups around the country, as well as being an SCA clinician uh, for a couple years. He also is a songwriter and a singer. He spent a lot of time cultivating that in the last few years when he was living out in L.A., and in the last few years, he started doing a lot more songwriting for show choir, for specific shows. And he is, of course, also the human that gave us the app stage book for blocking. And he and his friend Adam Peters also did the very first show choir talk show, which is Show Choir Live. And you can go back on YouTube archives and check that out if you haven't done that. So we talk about what Alex likes to call all sorts of hippy dippy things in the first hour. And then the second hour has more devotion to actual. Um, information about what, as a director, you need to know about your choreographer and a working relationship there and how to make that really fruitful for your kids and for your group. So please enjoy right now part one of our two-part interview with Mr. Alex Hall. Yes. Yeah. I mean, today, today is the fourth consecutive week where we've both been here and like pretty much locked down. So, okay. We're not going to spend the entire interview talking about coronavirus, but this, this happens pretty much anytime I do an interview right now, because we're all like, how are you doing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very strange. And how can you not at least chat about it for a moment? Yeah, you kind of have to mention it. And plus, it always ends up right. coming up in the interview two or three times. So, right. so we just have to acknowledge that it is happening, kids. This is what we're doing during this time. Well, I'll let you start on the on the, the beginnings of your show, Quirinus. Um I just kind of ask it as like, what was your path to becoming a show choir professional? Oh my gosh. Well, I got here because I was lucky enough to be born in Auburn, Indiana, which means that I grew up kind of in the DeKalb High School program and started, honestly, it was so deeply rooted in our community that we started some basic form of show choir all the way back in fourth grade. Yeah. And so, and, you know, I had older cousins that were in show choir and like, so I always saw all the high school shows and like, it was an obvious, like, yeah, of course I'm doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I got to high school, um, things were a little like rocky, um, kind of in my personal life and family life. Mm -hmm. Like I went through a divorce and, Mm -hmm. and, and you know, kind of lost some confidence there going into high school and uh, show choir like really, really picked me back up in a major way. And actually, I have a funny story that has to do with weather as well. But I was, I don't know if I've told you this. No, tell me. But 
I was signed up to go to Purdue for meteorology, had a roommate, like got all the Purdue gear for Christmas well, and you were everything. in it to win it. I was yeah. so in it to win it. And um, I, I had some like I had some cool experiences like at show choir camp in Florida. Like I had my first like real solo in a show ever. And like that and a couple other like little like confidence boosty type things like happened and I started having this recurring dream. Do you want to know the dream? Yes, of course I do. Yes. Okay. So in the dream, I was at Purdue. Okay. And I was, I would like walk into this house party at Purdue in this like 1970s basement with like wood walls and brown carpet. Like, you know exactly what oh, I'm yes. talking about. Oh, yes. I can picture it in my head. And there was a guy playing guitar and... I would stand next to him and start singing. And by the end of the song, the entire party was surrounding me. And then I would finish the song and I was like walking through the crowd. And this person, sometimes it was a man, sometimes it was a woman, okay. would like grab grab my arm and say, hey, you should really think about doing this for real. I would look at them in the eyes and say, I know, and then cry in the dream and then wake up crying. And that happened to me like literally over and over and over what? and over and i finally like called my best friend uh from home who was at school at ball state studying musical theater and i was like telling her about this like crazy thing that keeps happening prophetic dream and she was like why don't you just come down to ball state and audition for musical theater and i was like all right like i'll give it a shot <laughs> sure. like whatever and so it was the very last day that you could audition. This is like February of my senior year. That is late. So, so when you say like, how did you get into the path of show choir? Like I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar. I was going to be a meteorologist the whole time. Yeah. It, I never thought about it any other way. And so I went down to Ball State and I, I auditioned and I made the musical theater program and was just like, well, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, just abandoned like, meteorology altogether. And I completely abandoned Purdue. I abandoned my like roommate who was a buddy of mine and <laughs> played bass guitar for the show choir band and just was like, hey, I'm going to Ball State now. And yeah, so and then I, you know, I've I've still been kind of like figuring out where my place is in music, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, and part of that immediately was show choir mm -hmm. um, because, um, you know, as I got to be like a senior I started choreographing little things here and there and um Shelly actually started uh Shelly Johnson who was my choir director exactly. started recommending me like to choreograph oh, like little awesome. like you know like a middle school show choir in Fort Wayne or whatever yeah. so I would do like even my senior year I choreographed a middle school show choir I think yeah. and then in college I kind of added like one group a year and I ended up changing from musical theater to audio production. So I did kind of both in college and, mm -hmm. um, and then just was choreographing like kind of on the weekends and stuff. And, um, you know, I was in bands in college and did a bunch of other music stuff too. And uh, when I graduated college, I was kind of performing here and there and bouncing around between like, uh sh chicago and doing six flags and then oh, I, yes. I even tried to move to new york once oh, wow. and 
uh, during the t- 2008 financial crash. <laughs> the best time ever to so, move you know, to New I've York. Moved, <laughs> I moved to New York twice. And the first time was the 2008 oh, financial crash. No. And the second time has been the pandemic. This so is all your fault is what I'm you're saying. doing great. Yeah, all of basically. This. Okay, good. 100%. Good Thanks for that, Alex. We so appreciate it. But yeah, anyway, so I kind of bounced around a lot after college. And then um, I just, I found some, some success with, choreography and found a little niche and a little home and mm-hmm. and a little like routine in it and was able to be freelance uh starting I graduated college in 07 and I was full-time freelance by it was like that 09 10 school year oh yeah that's fast yeah so it took me a couple years to like kind of build things up and um yeah but that's relatively yeah. quick in our field to get enough going that you can support yourself Well, I was, yeah, I was really lucky to be so well connected just through Shelly. Sure. And, and, and then by extension, Dwight and Mm -hmm. Linda, like Linda Southerd was huge in recommending me for stuff. And Randy Sage, Randy Sage was somebody that I almost like, uh, you know, he was like a mentor and, uh, like I, I would go teach with him. Yeah. And kind of assist okay, him sure. for on like Buffalo Grove stuff and and, and you know what like little experience. stuff too and anything he would do and and have me you know around for I would I would go ahead and do that and and so I you know I I really have been lucky to just be born into a town where that was the culture yeah and and that was a huge part of how I got into it for sure. That I mean, that truly, and that's something that I think a lot of people discount. Not a lot of people put that out there as as the statement, and I'm glad you did. Which is that this is such a strange, small pocket of the world, and so to really have a lot of connections in it, you really do have to be lucky enough to just have been in an area where you knew people and met people and worked with people who then could help you with other people. It's such a weird, like, small connected web in that way. And, um, you know, we've talked before about how the years that I spent teaching in Mitchell, Mitchell's very much a similar kind of town to what you were talking yeah. about where it's just, it's almost like the exact same idea. Yeah. It's where I grew literally up. Yeah. in the water. Like, you know, everybody's going to be in friend of coup from the time they are born. You know, the first time they see that elementary tour when they're in kindergarten, they're like, oh, I'm going to do that. You know? So that I get that. I totally understand that. And that really does help. It's, it's different for, for that kind of a place versus when you're in a place where it's maybe really big at the high school or it's a big city you know big cities I think that's a different thing you know Um, it's less of that community vibe where you're watching it from your whole life so you may be really involved in it you may really love it but I think the way you grew up and and the way certainly people like me myself who have taught in places like that or grew up in places like that it is a different experience yeah and you know show choir in small towns can be one of the biggest things going and it's yeah I I don't, I, sorry for people who haven't really known what I'm talking about. When I say like, I'm from DeKalb or whatever, I, we're, we're a small town of 13,000 people like in Northeast Indiana, just North of Fort Wayne. And, mm-hmm. and to, to have grown up in a really small rural area like that, but just by chance have this amazing like performance art program available yes. for my entire youth was like pretty, 
pretty awesome. And and there's a few of us from, uh, from the from our hometown and from our school that like are still working in music and in show choir. Mark Myers is from theater. your hometown as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is nuts he that was... you're both from there. And then of course your brother Eric also is a show choir choreographer in addition to the, all mm-hmm. the other things he does. That's that's like three people who are really yeah. doing a lot of work in our field from this very tiny pocket. And, and uh, that's Mitchell not... is similar to that. You know, yeah. Stephen Todd is from Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, Clinton, Mississippi. Chris Miller's from like there. That. Oh, Clinton, Mississippi is totally like that. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting. And in each of those cases, too, I mean, and we'd be remiss not to mention this, and you, you already brought up Shelley, but like there usually was like one director who really bought in stayed there was there for a remarkable period of time so they were able to help build that tradition mm-hmm. you know in mitchell's case i think jeff Gimar is probably the one that we would most most of us would all credit that with um you're talking about shelly of course and her husband um Kent, also i think yeah. was probably a mm-hmm. part of that as well i would assume not having gone there myself but big big time yeah, yeah. for sure for sure. And then, you know, in places like Clinton, you're talking about David Fair. But yeah, you really it really does boil down to it can be just about one person who's super passionate about giving kids these opportunities. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, uh, another guy from our, uh, you know, from our town, Josh Sassanella, his a close friend of mine. And, you know, now he lives uh, in, in New York and mm-hmm. he's been in a couple Broadway shows and yeah. he's writing a show and I mean he's done so much and it, it's just I hope the teachers out there like realize that a lot of the impact they're having is like way downstream mm-hmm. like and you know you and you may have like a you know a grumpy freshman or sophomore who is feeling kind of dejected and not great in rehearsal yeah <laughs> You're pointing and yourself, I'm pointing yes. to myself yeah <laughs> And but, you know, sometimes there's a lot more going on than what you can see. And um, if I didn't have that kind of steady structure through those rockier times, like freshman, sophomore year, Mm -hmm. like I don't know how I I don't know how I would have gotten through it. And and, uh, yeah, so keep in mind that like the actual like positive effect of of what we're doing with all of this, it could actually, you know, come to fruition a, a little later than what you think. And, yeah. and it, it can be so important. And that it's not just, I mean, I get asked all the time by directors who aren't, don't have a competitive group or aren't doing this shit, but are thinking about it. They're like, well, what would be the point in doing this beyond just, Oh my gosh. Mean? And you're like, do you have five days for me to talk to you about this? I mean, like right. there's so much and everything you're saying is a huge part of that. I mean, I, some of my closest friends in high school were from Mount Zion, which is yeah. a town about six hours away in a <laughs> different <nearby>. time zone. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we all went to each other's proms. Like we, we were like this little like group and, and just like, just even getting out of my own town and seeing other perspectives, even if you know, they weren't, it's not like they were like radically different or anything, but just getting out of my, my hometown and seeing how other people work and operate and think and talk and exist oh, yeah. was, was just so, so huge. And we traveled, I mean, we competed like our, you know, Shelly is no joke. We competed 10 times a year. Oh my goodness, friend. That's so, the many. I mean, we were like, we were like a traveling you were band. A traveling on, band. We, <laughs> like we were, we were on tour, you know, like, and, 
and just having something to look forward to like that every single weekend Mm -hmm. like I could never go back and do it any other way no exactly and that's because that was your experience but also because it gave you so much you know oh my gosh yeah and it's not just it's not even about what my husband calls the touchy-feely part or the emotional part um it's also the skill set part I learned so many bizarre skill sets from show choir that when (laughs) I go back I'm like that was kind of helpful today and I needed it for some reason you know like like why am I so fearless at putting this together this together this (laughs) together and when I get in big trouble I know immediately to just call someone who can tell me the answer right like which is like something my director was an absolute champion at like she she was the master of of kind of humbling herself and asking for help and then seeing the direct benefit of that and and that was another huge thing like she would build a team around her and she knew that it wasn't going to be just her yeah and, and you learn to be fearless from that in that Absol- way. Yeah. And what a great, what a great thing. How few people we know, like, let's be honest, in real life now, like people outside of the fine arts who are especially outside of show choir who really cannot do that for themselves, who are right. so worried about looking right or perfect all the time. You know, like you're getting, right. you're getting hit with the truth bomb of what was good and bad about all this work you put into it weekly. You did that 10 times a year. You were in a room where somebody was like, ah, oh, here's what I liked. Here's what really didn't work for me. And having to quickly adjust. Like there's so few yeah. things in the world like that, that teach you. That. We, we had a song one time that our opener wasn't working and we changed it mid season uh-huh. and we did it. I know you've been there. Oh God. And, yeah. and we did it because she told us that we could. Yeah, yeah it was and, not even a question. You and just we did. were just like, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. But like looking back, like that is insane. Yes, yes. But you didn't that question is, it because you no, were told we were it would like, be fine. Well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and later in life, like so many of my like classmates from that, like uh, my my cousin who's from also in my class, like uh, and her husband, they went and built a winery. Uh, my other friend has like a photography business. Another friend of mine who lives in Indianapolis runs a bee farm. <laughs> like just all these crazy things because we grew up knowing that, that yeah, you just, this is what you do. You put your nose down, you work your butt off, you ask for help when you need it, you build a team and, and you just don't question it. You just do it. And that's yes. like, these are people who are not working in music, but they're really like special, interesting, cool, well-rounded, well-thought-out people. And that and comes that's from what, mm-hmm. And that's what directors, that's what you're making, whether yes. you know it or not. That's what you're baking in that oven is, mm-hmm. is well-rounded people who – you know, even if they don't go into music, they're gonna they're gonna have a certain little like engine in their mind where they believe that they can build it because they've seen it yes, systematically mm-hmm. been built. Yes. Like that that program, that system that you have to build to build a program that's successful, that system is applicable to anything yes. at all. And, and when you take and when you don't give the kids that opportunity or you take that opportunity for competition in that format away from kids um, where it has been present in schools in the past. And there's a couple of them I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Well, um, my school. Like maybe DeKalb. yours. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> happened there. And of course, the other one I'm thinking of is Buffalo Grove. It's really interesting to see how those programs change as a whole, um, you know. 
especially if there's been a tradition of that present. So, of course, we won't see the long-term results of that for many, many years until we see those kids who have aged out and no longer have had that opportunity and see how that changes things. It's a little bit different, too, in, in different places. I mean, I think it's in the smaller towns where there is very little access to art outside mm, of show choir, yes. it's even more of a heartbeat. True. And, you know, the the kids in Arlington Heights and in Buffalo Grove are going to be fine. They're, they're, you know what I mean? There's theater everywhere. There's there's acapella, there's jazz choirs, there's there's so many other places where they can hang their hat. That's true. And like in my hometown, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And it, it truly is a devastating blow to to see that go in some of those places because it is the vein of culture. You're taking away the only option for the only kids. The yes. only access to like some kind of higher level arts education Mm -hmm. and that's when it's that's when it's really crushing to me but you know I think it's important for if if there happens to be kids out there listening to this Mm -hmm. and I've said this to a couple groups like that are from towns that remind me of mine uh before and in, in rehearsals when I can sense that they're feeling a little too cozy with how things are oh, yeah. and maybe not giving their di- director their full kind of attention mm-hmm. and, and focus. And it's like, Hey, uh, this doesn't have to be here. No. Uh, very few high schools that have your demographic actually have this. Yeah. So let's like continue to boost it up and lift it up yeah. and make sure we're, we're present. Cause this, most people that live in a town like yours do not get to do this. Right. And you know? even towns that have had it in the past, I think it's disappearing more and more as the people who were the the guard of the person who um, was the person pushing all of that. In in your case, Shelly, and of course, now that wasn't a retirement. That's a whole different discussion. But right. like when that person is no longer in charge of that program... Um, It'll just die off completely. I think I've seen that certainly in places and other places in the Midwest because, you know, I'm more familiar with the Nebraska-Iowa, you know, contingency of it. But um, you, I'm seeing it pop up less and less in smaller communities as younger yeah. teachers are less interested in staying put long enough to create a full program. I do worry that the Shelley, Verda, Dave Fair mm-hmm. type program building in a smaller uh a smaller town is somewhat not going to be uh tenable or is not going to be as common anymore i agree and uh that's 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 a whole other conversation too yeah Um, to the the detriment of those kids and i mean right but i do think that that's probably gonna get tougher as things go on i mean for multiple reasons, but mm-hmm. I, I again, that's all just to point out. I feel super, 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 <laughs> yes. super lucky, super lucky. Although, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I just I feel very lucky to have to have been where I. And gratitude uh, is not a terrible from. place to come from when you're dealing with art. So if you you know wake up when you're doing show choir work and you just feel grateful for the experiences that you had that got you to this place. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All of that to say, then, from that position, once you were actually starting to work as a choreographer, which came first, show choir live 
or stage book? Um, they both kind of, all of those things, all three of those things, moving to LA and stage book and show choir live all kind of came in a very similar time frame. that all was, um, kind of this like 2013, 14, um, area. I just, I kind of felt some things shifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, f- I felt like I was kind of running out of room as a choreographer if that makes sense yeah yeah I felt I was kind of feeling some other areas of my brain kick into gear a little mm-hmm. more and um I felt like you know I had been a songwriter since I was 18 and um been in several bands and a couple of them had done some cool stuff and yeah. um I had never taken it seriously like I had never, um, I had never actually pursued that too hard. Like I kind of just was like, well, if this band or this project goes somewhere great, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Sure. You weren't pushing. Yeah. And I kind of just felt like it was time for me to push. Like I was 29 about to turn 30 and, um, you know, I didn't have like a family or anything like that. And, it just seemed like, okay, like I had this moment where I was like, if you could do anything, bef- you know, I was 29 and I was, mm-hmm. I was actually, I was at Nina high school when yeah. this all happened yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was standing in an empty hallway at Nina high school and I was like, oh my gosh, you're about to turn 30. If you could do anything, what would you do? And immediately it was like, move to LA and see what happens. Oh my goodness. And I put it into motion that day. That's amazing. And um, like six months later, I moved out there. And, you know, stepping away from choreography somewhat has been a little bit hard. And yeah. I've kind of like stepped down kind of year by Gradually. year kind of. Yeah. yeah right. And I, I still just do. I do two songs for Chesterton's mm-hmm. show. And, and that's kind of it. And I help them and a couple other people like design stuff. And sure. But as far as choreography, I just felt like. I maybe was realizing that it wasn't like my creative home. It was, it was adjacent to my creative home. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I felt a responsibility to myself to make sure that I was focusing my talent in the right direction. You are not the first choreographer or um, even director who said something along those lines to me about, about creative work specifically because it does it's a weird thing choreography and and even show design and directing in some ways that um or arranging that it fills the bucket of creativity so full that you don't really mm-hmm. realize that you're not being as creative in that creativity as maybe you'd want to be or you're not noticing holes in the bucket of things just kind of like leaking out (laughs) because it's so full um and that's not necessarily bad and you're making money and you're enjoying spending time working with students and all of those things but that it may be masking other Mm -hmm. things that you would maybe want to spend time doing for me it was like i feel like your creative home is where you are in a space where you're constantly almost evolving. Yes. And I kind of felt myself within dance. I felt myself kind of a little bit less inclined to seek out new information. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And to me, that was a red flag. That's concerning. To, yeah. 
to me that was that was okay well maybe maybe this is telling me something yeah. about where i'm living and i want to live like i i, I want to be creatively where i'm i'm digging into the material more and more and always kind of feeding and evolving Mm-hmm. uh what I'm doing and what I'm putting a out a growth pattern a growth mindset yeah yeah and and I didn't feel it in dance as much and especially when I compared myself to like people who were really um able to keep themselves on the edge or something yeah. I mean it, like I just use my brother as an example because he um he 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 is a, he's a dancer through and through yeah yeah and he he trains in LA constantly and he um he really has put in a lot of time on uh, learning and kind of pushing his own boundaries mm-hmm. and constantly kind of expanding uh, the influences that go and into his, his vocabulary, work. so to speak, his dance vocabulary, you know? Right, right. And I don't I see felt... a lot from him that I look at and go, that looks like Eric Hall because ABC. Um, right. Which I think is sometimes what you see happen over time with with a lot of artists, uh, not yeah. just choreographers, like in any medium, of really, course. unless you're growing. Of course. And I felt the capability to be that kind of person in a different area. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and I didn't even know when I when I moved to L.A., I didn't even know what that was going to be. Right. I, I just I just thought we we need to at least make one big leap and then we'll we'll figure out exactly yeah. what that means. I actually thought I was going to maybe write uh write movies. Uh, I had mm-hmm. been writing a film script and the first thing I did when I moved to LA was I had a reading of the script that I had oh, written yeah. with a couple friends and we we had like a whole group around uh sit around and and do a table read That's of so this cool. this script and I you know and there were great things about that and things that didn't quite sit right either yeah. and you know, but the five years that I spent there, I was able to try so many different things. Yeah. And I continue to kind of narrow a little bit where I'm spending my energy. But that was the best part about that phase, especially like those first few years. I mean, I was doing some acting stuff. Yeah. I had like got a musical theater agent. Yeah. I was scoring films. I was like, literally doing all throwing all these darts at the board and seeing which ones kind of settled in closer to to the bullseye and um you know now five years later kind of looking back like I'm really glad that I let myself do that it's uh, the thing that I think that is hard to describe to young teachers young creatives um is part of what you're talking about there is that you really have to like diversify before you can narrow down you really need to try a lot of things and it's okay to try a lot of things and it's okay to fail at some of them there's that Mm -hmm. f word Ooh, yikes but it's okay to fail at some of them and then you get a clearer perspective after everything you try of okay this did work for me and you can narrow your focus better from a creative standpoint I think when you've done that I don't know a lot of people who are super super creative and only hang out in their one narrow just in this tiny little box I think the more you do the better your work becomes and the more you know what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that said now, so we've moved to LA. We talked about that, but now we need okay, to yeah. now we need to talk more about stage book and show choir live because those things it felt like those things actually did happen kind of simultaneously from the outside. They did. They did. It just was kind of this uh yeah, I I've always 
I'd always had the idea. Um, and you better describe them just in case somebody isn't familiar with one or the other. Okay, so Stagebook, yeah, all right. <laughs> I just assume, okay, so but maybe not. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're totally right. So Stagebook is a show choir blocking app mm-hmm. that was kind of my brainchild, and um, I was kind of the project manager while it was getting built, and I still help kind of keep it on the uh, right track uh, mm-hmm. with my developer, Zach Wand, in mm-hmm. Chicago. And uh, we built it over the period of like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and it came out in fall of 2016. Okay. Uh, which is crazy to think that it's been going for that long. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's It's almost to too. four years old. Wow. Although also I struggle crazy. to remember a time before sometimes. Like it's one of those yeah, things right. where I'm like, you right. don't know what stage book is. You don't use it. Weird. You know, because in my mind it's like, oh, it's been around forever. Right. Right. So, um yeah, that was just like a little seed of an idea that I had and wrote out and I happened to um, know a programmer through a friend and I uh, went and got coffee with him in Chicago and I had every single like page like sketched out Yeah, and I, sh- I showed him like how I'd want it to flow, who it would be for, like what it helps us solve in our industry and he was like, whoa, this is, I mean, my friends pitch me ideas all the time, but like, I think you really understand what to do with this. I was like, like, yeah, it's because for the last 10 years, I've been waiting for somebody else to do it and no one does it. It's never going to happen. So Uh, we did it and yeah, it's, it's a great little like side thing and it's really fun and, and people use it a lot. And, you know, when I was still correct, choreographing and whenever i do choreograph i i'm like thank god that i have this oh for sure every time <laughs> i'm with a group really where the director down. uses it it's just oh it's a clinician even it's just so so life-changing because it's first of all legible secondly it's like easy to get yeah. to and look at but even as a director who had used it and my choreographers did not want to use it like if they didn't want to plug it into stage because sometimes you still get people who really want to write it out by hand what mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of directors and myself do is you write it out by hand, fine, but then you transfer it into the app. Yeah, because you I know can a lot of people share do that. it with the kids so easily. Like, here's the PDF of all of the opener blocking spots. Like, it's just such a no brainer. And so, thank you on behalf of all of us for creating. That. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> oh, so I, you know, I wanted to see it happen for myself as well. I just kept grabbing the wrong notebook as I would head out oh, the door, right? and then you'd and be then like, I would Here we go. be four hours away and have the wrong blocking charts and be like okay well I don't know where you go good luck <laughs> sorry kid good luck Sarah who <laughs> yeah. was sick last week I don't know what to tell you and then um, show live I think maybe also st- well did that not start until you were already in California I can't remember no that started when I was in Chicago okay because um, you were like that, moving mid mid show I think yeah that was kind of a project with Adam Peters and I yes. um, I was choreographing in I think this was like fall of 13, I want to say, or something like that. I was choreographing um, in Iowa, and Adam and I were at a coffee shop before a rehearsal. And we just had this conversation. I don't know. Just during this whole phase, I think I was asking myself and everybody I know the same question. And it was like, what do you want to do yeah, with yeah. your life? Mm-hmm. And we just were chatting and and we were talking about kind of hosting and how fun it would be to host a show. And in the conversation, I was just like, well, what if we 
hosted like a YouTube show choir show and we talked about results and we interviewed people and uh, you know, we can interact with people on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And it just, we kind of bounced it off a couple people and it was just like, wow, yeah, I think this makes sense. And um, to be honest, it was a little scary to yeah. put put ourselves out there like that because mm-hmm. there had not really been anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, it was a little weird at times, especially in the beginning, but it turned out to be a really fun project. And I mean, we were doing it every week yeah, uh, during seasons, during yeah. during the season and in the fall semester we would do it like two or three times yeah. from you know I think our first episodes were like winter 13 14 and then uh we did it through 20 April 2016 was like our last like normal episode and mm-hmm. then we got to host the Heart of America national contest that was terribly cool like that which, I loved that I think Honestly, in the show choir world, hosting those HOA contests with Adam and Hawken directing, that's like my favorite thing that I've done in this entire like arena. I totally like, believe that. Yeah. We have so much fun because we just get to be geeks about it the yes, whole time yes. and like get, get excited about everything and like and interact with like the other folks watching and like I just said folks like I'm Obama or something, but <laughs> <laughs> but honestly I didn't even think that just, until you said that but yes it was really fun it's really fun to like kind of have that live feedback oh absolutely and, and you guys were so you were you were both audience and professionals in in the when watching that when watching you guys do it like you would get you guys talking like okay you know that felt really this and, da, 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 and like dissecting what happened on stage and then you'd have those moments like I remember because I was watching it on live stream. I remember that one when uh, Millard West got done performing oh that my gosh, day. Yeah. And both yeah. of you turn around in your swivel chairs and look at the camera and like Adam's just losing his actual mind. And yeah. you're like, I don't think I've ever seen, like you're both just like, <laughs> yeah. it was such a neat visceral experience for those of us who weren't there to get to watch you have that like reaction. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Good show choir is one of the coolest things oh, that can I happen. Know, right. And, and, even good show choir sometimes doesn't quite have that that little glimmer of magic in totally. it. But when you get that, and like as a totally neutral observer too, I mean, it's when you're a little more in the world, it's a it's a little harder sometimes because when you're at a competition, like you can get kind of antsy, and oh, it's yeah. a little harder to watch groups sometimes. Absolutely, and you don't just you don't really get to just kind of take everything at face value, and sometimes and. And this was like such a cool thing to, I was really glad they delivered that moment because I, I really think that there's something that, uh, that no other genre can do. There, there's just something about when you get that show choir moment where everything, every little moment strings together, like Eric Van Cleve says, every little moment strings together and is like perfectly organically naturally like executed by a group of kids who are just pouring everything out. Like there's nothing cooler than that working in, in all the little ways that it can work. Like, and if your show is designed really well and has like kind of a natural ebb and flow and Mm -hmm. like theirs was, and I mean, Shelly Johnson would say like, 
you got a laugh cry and burn down the barn. Like those, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. a perfect show. That's a perfect show choir show. Yep. Right. And yep. I, I think that's true with a lot of things. That's true with a lot of art. Yep. Like that's true for me. That's true with Broadway. That's true with anything. And, you know, they absolutely made you laugh, cry and burn down the barn. Right. And, and there's nothing cooler than seeing like the best amateur performers that you could ever see doing that at such a high level. It genuinely like, feels like magic. I just, I don't have a better description yeah. than like, it feels supernatural when you're in that room in that moment. It feels mm-hmm. like something that does not exist anywhere else on earth is happening and you're a part of it and you're watching yeah, it. Yeah. And it's so hard to, to describe. Yeah. If you've never and been it, in it. it was, and I was really glad that that, that moment kind of took place in Nashville and that it was just, a special thing. That was, yeah. It really was. But like, there's always that time. Like, there's always like one time a year. Yes. Where toward you know toward the back half of the season when you get that, especially when it, I mean, to be honest, like I I don't like judge a lot in the western part of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not from there. I just right, don't yeah. know. I I know fewer people. Like, whatever. And I didn't know like who they were, which was even yeah. more special. Yeah. I was just like, who, what, <laughs> what who is, is happening? This? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> They're course, so good. That, and, and that's also a fun thing too. I think that people don't um, give enough credence to is being outside your circle. Yeah. Right. Like getting, t- I think we all get in our little pockets of geography and we only see our little pockets of geography. But when you get to travel and then I'm always, I'm always saying like, you need to hire judges from outside your circle. If you can like at least get one or two on your panel, if that's an option, like more people need to push to do that. I think for what you're saying, well, you might see, well, you might see something that surprises someone that people who have a set expectation don't catch exactly uh-huh um jen unjin is really great with that she always finds these little sparks in groups that 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 people that other people sometimes don't see and and i always think it's really fun to judge with her because she always is finding like little special moments and nuggets yeah. and stuff that sometimes other people are missing yeah um and that's yeah. easier to do if you are not intimately familiar with the school and where they are that's not to say that if you have any interaction with the school you can't be an impartial or a good judge I don't mean that but I mean like if you've seen that show like twice this year already and on top of that you've seen every show they've done for the last 12 years with that director it starts to feel like okay well we know what to expect (laughs) from Smith High School because that's what we expect from Smith High School so you start to have these preconceived notions and when you bring people in from different geographic areas you get less of that so I think we need to do better about that as a yeah, and how about some more? How about some more ladies on the panel? Huh? Oh my gosh, I hate that you had to be the one that said that, but yes, sir, please, uh, please, please. I please. always just every judging photo, it's like <sighs> five dudes and like you. And, and I also like... gotta say, I'm sorry, but white dudes. <laughs> like, can we have some diversity? There are more yeah. than just white middle-aged men directors who I love yeah. and I have a lot of friends of and they are great. I'm not saying they're not, but even when I'm hiring panels, uh, it's hard for me to find mm-hmm. if uh, it's hard for me to find women to put on the panel because there yeah. really are only like uh, just a handful, maybe, you know, on, it's right around 10 that really judge consistently or have the time to do that because if they're in 
uh, teaching still. Of course, you know how that is. The directors, uh, directors who um, have their own groups are taking out. It's much harder for you to go out and judge, obviously. Yeah, Shelley um, almost never judged. Exactly, almost it's, never. You get one, maybe two a year yeah. if you're lucky, and so right. you have to have someone who is either retired or showcore adjacent, which is kind of what I am now. And like, right. so yeah, I mean, my judging docket is super, super full has been the last two years which is great and I'm loving that but it's not even so much because of who I am as a judge it's more that it's like you can you can judge because you don't have your own group and and you're and we think you're not an idiot you know so it's like and she's a girl bonus you know so it feels like it feels like we need more more people available to do that work um yeah to diversify those panels for sure but yeah well once you okay so once we got to We've moved to L.A. and you're doing all these things. One of the things that you did that I think is most visible that a lot of us are, are aware of in Show Choir Universe is that um, you started doing obviously a lot more songwriting and recording and performing under under your name. Your what do you call it? A pseudonym? Your stage name? Yeah. So I the <laughs> when I got to L.A., I was talking with a friend of mine and. Um, just had this kind of revelation that I'm a singer songwriter. I have been the whole time. And it took me actually about, it took me over a year from that conversation to call myself a songwriter out loud to people, which is just crazy. But it, I really didn't truly believe that yet. And it took me some kind of noodling around and, Mm -hmm. and, and doing some things and meeting and co-writes and like we said, like just throwing a bunch of darts to yeah. like kind of to kind of really sit in and sink into that. And I still am. Yeah. Um but but uh yeah. Uh, sorry, I forgot what the question was. Oh, we were actually. talking about uh, Oliver Heimach is the thing. Oh, right, right. So one of the one of the first projects I I mean, so my friend who my friend who was a DJ, um, he sat me down and said like I can't believe you don't see this about yourself. Which I'm a I'm a double extrovert, so I I miss all sorts of things about me that I should be seeing. But I'm out here like <laughs> that's amazing decoding Tornado Genesis <laughs> on YouTube in the middle of the night. But I'm like, oh oh, I'm a songwriter. What? What? It's like Who a knew? huge a huge shock or something because <laughs> just so extroverted. But um. So he he sat me down and he taught me a music production software called Ableton and okay. he kind of got me started and then I learned a million things on YouTube and it was pretty similar to some audio engineering stuff I had from college. I literally have a degree in audio. I was going to say you have a background in that, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was pre- it picked up pretty quick and and I started immediately just kind of writing songs for myself because I had never written songs for myself alone like right. it always has been in a band situation yeah so it was a brand new thing and and I really didn't know what that sounded like or mm-hmm. what that meant or what that feels like and I still don't a hundred percent know but I sure have like drilled down into it um more deeply and like learned a whole lot about what makes my brain tick and uh, kind of like what musical family I feel like I gravitate to. Mm -hmm. And like, I think everything I do has a little bit of R and B to it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say you have a genre like category. Yeah. It feels like it all fits together inside of that. But that took, you know, and that takes time to figure it out. And, um, you know, I'm not an instrumentalist, so my instrument is 
my computer. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, but I'm very, I'm very glad that <laughs> I'm very glad for my pushy friend who <laughs> sat me down, down and was like, listen. Hey, <laughs> stop being an idiot. <laughs> Learn this. Learn I this and then you talk about your ideas can get translated. An extroverted issue because I feel that deeply. And there, I, I think that sometimes people like that and you and certainly I'm in some ways that way as well you do need an external force sometimes to come in and go hi oh, hello yeah. let me sh- let me put a mirror <laughs> up for you and yeah. teach you things about yourself and you're like what yeah. oh, oh other other people other people will always know what you're missing isn't that interesting I know yeah. but other people always know it's tricky to find the right ones to listen to sometimes but uh, yeah. I'm glad you found the right one to listen to with yeah your DJ friend. I did but then you also have started in the last I don't know how many years it's been you'll have to tell us but um inside of doing all of your own songwriting for your own career, you've done a lot oh, more I, songwriting for show choirs. Yeah. Which just happened organically. It happened because Jeremy Alfaro, who's still one of my yeah. like favorite partners in crime. Um, is it Marysville? He, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, he is the Marysville director he and he's Marysville. a fantastic arranger. Yes. And um, he just kind of like speaks the exact same musical language I do. And mm-hmm. we've always known that about each other. I yeah. think that's why what a cool thing. I that's why we had so much fun when I was choreographing their group. And totally. um, but we we got into a situation where there was a song that we just could not. I don't I don't we don't need to go further with this, but we could not get the rights to. Yeah, we will not be talking about any. Of that yeah, today. we will not be going any further <laughs> with that. But uh, we couldn't get the rights, and um, so Jeremy and I, like, we were like, well, what if we just wrote something? Yeah, in the vein of what we needed. And he was, he was like, you know, I had showed Jeremy, like, all the Oliver Hymack. That's my stage name. I don't think I said that. No. Um, all the Oliver Hymack stuff, which is my middle name and my uh, mom's maiden name. Mm-hmm. But I had showed him everything that I had written, and he was like, well, like, you're a songwriter. Let's write something. Well, yeah. And so we did, and it, it, the kids really liked it, and it was like a cool experience. And yeah. uh, so then I, I had also in I had also done the same a similar thing with Prospect and Chesterton before too. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there with like three show choir songs, that, and I could yeah. put them out in the world and be like, hey, like I could write something if you need something for your show. And right. like I I had always kind of gravitated towards story shows and like sure. finessing those kind of elements in a story show too. And so it kind of like all fused into this one thing. And um, it's been really a very cool part of my uh, show choir experience now. And it's slowly kind of being, it's becoming the main part of my show choir, like output, which is interesting. I think if I'm, yeah. And the year before, the year before as well. And um, so that's been really cool. And it, it's nice to, I think it's cool that if directors build these complex shows, which I love, like story shows or like yeah. uh, bigger theme shows, it, the the more complex your show design is, the harder it is to find the song that's going to slide in. And I actually I end up writing a lot of openers, which is like the sets up the Setting world the stage, of the yeah. of the show, which which is a lot harder to find without having it be written specific for you sometimes Very true. so like one of my favorite songs is uh uh there was a group in ohio that did a, a theme show about a yard sale <laughs> i love everything about that <laughs> which do you know sam chenoweth yes oh uh, well, yeah i know sam he designed it and choreographed it the and he's just sam, yeah. such a smart like 
smart, like artistic kind of choir director and uh, very young guy too. Yeah. I think he's like only in his mid twenties even now. I think, oh, but he, yeah, no, he's just <laughs> an evil genius. I re- I remember him even performing when he was in high school. He was oh, an evil gosh. genius, but um. But anyway, he came up with this crazy like yard sale show. Love it. And so I I wrote like a Motown up tempo R and B about a yard sale. And like they had this amazing soloist that started it off and it was just like just kinda off the wall and yeah. goofy and so much fun and I loved what they did with it and like I just love that 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 can be part of my job and my relation to this like genre this genre or like art or former industry or whatever you want to say like because i think that's something that i would have thought was really cool uh you know when i was a kid 100 percent. and it's it it, like you're saying with the story shows being so prevalent right now it really is kind of a unique necessity at this time that maybe 10 years ago we wouldn't have even needed and you wouldn't have been able to do you know yeah, in 2010, I don't think this is like a right. job, but I it's kind of like a little a nice like side job, and it's a cool way to stay involved um, for me while I continue to kind of sharpen songwriting and pursue that stuff uh-huh. Uh-huh. more and more. Um, but what a cool like crossover! Who who knew? I know, that was right? Gonna, I d- <laughs> love that when it's like, oh, that wasn't even a job ten years ago, but now here we are. Guys. Yeah, like that's, yeah, that's it's great. Super fun about show choir for me. I love that part. You also wrote the theme song to this podcast. I did, which <laughs> I absolutely had so much fun doing that, and I'm so glad that which you asked you me. to Did do it that. like ten seconds? Like we were on the phone talking about it. You're like, hang on, I've got it. I have to get off the phone with you, and you like vo- voice memoed ninety percent of it in that like 10 seconds like my brain does not work that way so see and this is what i mean about kind of living under your correct creative umbrella yes. because literally like when i'm talking to directors that's what it just happens to me it's completely separate from me it's not like something that i consciously like do it's just a com- like if someone gives me a writing prompt like my yeah. brain solves it in 2 seconds and then then I have to sit here and manifest it, which is very hard work for sure. me to do like the deep because I'm not a detail oriented person. If I know that's not a shock to anyone that knows me. So like to sit here and kind of like drill out and manifest the details is kind of hard yes. for me. But yes. um, yeah, that I love that. I love that. Like in the immediate, like a lot of times when directors will call me or if like we're meeting uh face to face or whatever i'll just like run out of the room and like sing sing what their choir eventually sings like in that moment and then i'm like okay i got it but then it just takes me a long time to like actually make it a real song yeah but having the initial idea that quickly like you said that's you sitting in the right creative space because even i mean that is that is not a thing everyone is able i did not i very like i i had some moments like that with choreography Mm -hmm. for sure like but it was almost like I felt more of those moments sometimes in the show design oh, okay. yeah. phase mm. and not really – like choreography to me was – felt like felt like more of that like, okay, I yeah. – well, I – I, yeah. I better I better figure out all these hundreds mm-hmm. of details. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. So it's – and, you know – it didn't quite come as as quickly, and I, and, and I guess I didn't have as pure of an end vision. Sure, yes. L- like 
when I sent you a voice memo of the theme song of yeah. this podcast, like the DNA of that song is in the voice memo. Yep. I like the entire world of that song is there. Yes, it is. And then, then I just like kind of organizes the pieces with choreography. It was like, I kind of understood. It was just much more fuzzy. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel that in many aspects of. And then I could still, you know, I could still get there, but it was just like my initial idea wasn't this, like this, like DNA. So like, this blast of like that contained all the relevant information you deal with this too i think because you're you're so like diverse in your skill sets is and i have this too and i sometimes think of it as almost a curse more than a blessing but like this ability to be good at lots of things um and being (laughs) good at things doesn't automatically mean that you should be doing it with your entire life a hello yes Uh or b that um that it really is something that um, that you're even passionate about. I think so often having success in something masks whether or not you actually feel good about it um, or you're really enjoying the process of it just because you're good at it, just because you had success with it. Like there are so many things I can look back on in my life that I've done where I'm like, and I did it because somebody was like, oh, you're good at that. Or, oh, look, you you were good at this or you had success in it. So you stuck with it longer than you should have. Yeah, and which us extroverts are going to be yeah. a little bit more susceptible Absolutely. to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I have had my my kind of like awakening as a as an adult as I've gotten into like, you know, starting in my mid 20s maybe mm-hmm. was literally just learning how to listen to my own voice. Yeah. Yes, that's hard. And for some people, that is so clear and obvious, mm-hmm. and they're listening to this, going, "What are you even talking about? Right. Your and good own for voice? you, whoever those people are. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that any of them are in show choir, but that's, maybe. <laughs> that's what, you know. I think a lot of people have a little more of a steady, uh, clear, focused idea of kind of who they are and where they sit. And but for me, doing it, it just took a lot with of your own voice is hard too. Even if you yes. can hear it, even if you know, stepping True outside that. yourself and doing something about it is also the second. Step True that. So. And, and guess where I learned that it wasn't that big of a deal to do something about it. Oh, was it show choir? <laughs> <laughs> how weird. How we all comes back to that. <laughs> that. That's exactly it. I think you I should mean, write a kid's book called Everything I Need to Know About Life I Learned in Show Choir as opposed to kindergarten yeah, when we, had right. when we were kids. But that's so true. That's so, so true. And, and It's so true. I'm, it I'm never that. scared to do something. When I hear that little voice come online, I am not intimidated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and know it's because I watched somebody from my town and multiple people older than me who mm-hmm. did the same thing, mm-hmm. gr- like graduate out of high school, like speaking of like Josh, who's yeah. a mentor and somebody I work with closely and more so now that we're in the same city, but sure, like watching Josh graduate from high school and immediately jump into performing professionally at Six Flags, which yeah. seems like, you know, I'm sure there's circles where that's a silly jump, but that to me was so impressive. There's no, nobody else from my, that's, yeah. there's mm-hmm. nobody else from my hometown that was doing that. Mm-hmm. And so seeing Josh do that and seeing, you know, Mark go after his career so yeah. quickly and, and like, 
it was just like, yeah, well, this is what you do. And right. guess what I did the day after I graduated high school? I moved to Illinois yeah. and started performing. And that was that. And yeah. lived in the Chicago suburbs and was yeah. like, yeah, I, I just am, I'm going to be out here in the world now. Yes. People, because this is what I do. This is what Josh did. This is just obvious. Well, and you, you know? like, even just you moving back to New York now after being in L.A. for all these years, which I and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think was facilitated more by by Eileen's job, not your job, obviously. Yeah, she got, she got there. a job that was not refusable. Yeah, you don't turn down. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, let's go. Sure. Like, yeah, I've always wanted to, but again, to stick here. Yeah. That fearlessness, like that you, for you to be able to be like, sure, let's just go to New York where I think I see a lot of people that didn't grow up with the benefit of what we got out of show choir, um, who are a lot more pensive and a lot more fearful of things, even if they seem like the right thing, even if the doors are opening in that direction and it's clearly the right step to take. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly have many, many friends who will doubt themselves doubt that voice doubt you know all of that and i that's just not an issue for me and i i do accredit a lot of that to show choir as well um it's not like it's not hard it's just i never feel like it's the wrong it's 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 not that it's not hard it's just that it doesn't feel like the wrong thing to do okay it feels like the alternative is worse right like it's almost like you feel when when these when things in your life like kind of plop down in front of you and you mm-hmm. feel the fork in the road yes. imin- imminently coming yes. at you, yes. like there's one way to go that is going to be more, is going to be closer to what your inner voice is trying to t- tell you and mm-hmm. guide you toward. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not that it's not hard. It's, it's really hard, but I think, I think it's important to get to the place where you are just going to follow that. Yes. And, because life is so short and and if anything you know this the context of what we're going through right now in the world like life is so precious and so short and you know you don't want to be thinking what if no that's the biggest thing for me and some of that is our personality type for sure as well and so I don't mean to diminish everything we're saying as everyone feels the way we do that was in show choir but I think for the people who have the type of personalities like you and I have certainly um, regrets is like one of the worst things to look back and regret not doing something or a road not taken a hundred percent I'm like I'm gonna keep growing, and yeah. like I'm nowhere near a finished product. What else are we here for if we're not growing? I uh, yeah. I mean, truly, we, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> like, don't you feel like you have a long way to go? Oh, so much. Yes, I don't feel like there's an ending to it. I don't see there no. as being a finish line that I crossed and I did that. And when I do feel like I'm doing something in my life where I have quote crossed a finish line, so to speak, then I go do something else because this. That's it. This is how I, this is how I was starting to feel as yeah. a choreographer. Yeah. I felt like I had crossed some sort of imaginary finish yeah. line. And you'd done and it. I, you checked it off the list. Yeah. And I got what I wanted out of it. Yeah. And, you know, it was time to see what else was out there and mm-hmm. what better time than 29 turning 30. No, for sure. I, I mean, mean, like, yeah, I, mine is the, I mean, I'm older than you were at that time, but I guess mine's approaching the 40 mark is probably why some of this happened to me in the last few years. But like, 
I got to a place with mm-hmm. being a director where I felt like I had done all the thingies. I'd done all the things I'd wanted to do. I felt mm-hmm. really good about the work I had done and the kids that I'd gotten to work with. And not to say I couldn't maybe do more, but I felt like I had, like you said, crossed that imaginary finish. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like this, you know, being working with professional development with directors and, and doing things like this podcast and stuff like this, where I could give my information and all of the stuff I've spent years accruing in my brain and so to speak out to the universe, that felt like a new challenge that was a new race to run, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's really cool, and I think this is going to be a, a cool resource. It, I'm excited. You know, I'm very hopefully, excited. <laughs> hopefully, we didn't get too hippy dippy here, but but I knew that was going to happen with you, and yeah, there are other people that right. that does not happen with in interviews. <laughs> so if this was not your jam, pick a different one. I should go through and I should like label podcasts like this one's a little hippy dippy, this one's a little more straightforward, yeah. and just let people know this is what right. you're in for. But no, I think that uh, I think hopefully based on who I've even interviewed so far there's just a wide there's a wide swath of people in show choir as well that you know you can get what you need from